بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد فان احسن الكلام كلام الله وخير الهدى هدى محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم فان شر الامور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار in the previous lessons we were discussing the issue of the quran the quran being the speech of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uncreated and we mentioned that this was the first major issue of belief that Sheikh al-Islam Ibn Taymiyyah in this uh, poetry ascribed to him that he made mention of after mentioning the issue of the Sahaba radiyallahu anhum and the issue of the Quran the Quran being the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala became one of the famous and most important of issues of belief which were discussed or which was discussed for a number of centuries from the second century onwards due to the people of kalam the ahlul kalam who entered their innovations into the ummah and they began to speak about allah subhanahu wa ta'ala his names and his attributes upon an innovated language upon innovated uh, terminology and so the quran became one of the great contentious issues however this this issue of the quran was one of a number of issues all of which are connected to something more deep and more fundamental so the quran being denied as the speech of allah allah being above his throne being denied allah being seen in the hereafter with the vision of the eyes being denied allah having attributes being denied all of these things branch off from something more fundamental and that fundamental issue which gave a rise to all of these controversies and uh, problems in the second century onwards is the kalam the ilmul kalam that was innovated into the deen and was brought into the ranks of the muslims by the jahmiyyah by the jahmiyyah they were the people who brought this kalam into the ummah and they brought it after being influenced by other nations like the jews and the christians and the sabi other the, the star worshipers and so the issue of the quran became one of the most important and contentious of issues and that's why we see for the centuries the second century the third century in all the books that the salaf were writing this became one of the most prominent uh, and important of issues that was that was discussed So for that reason we see that Sheikh al-Islam Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah in this poetry ascribed to him that the first major issue of belief that he brings is the issue of the Quran and in this regard uh, he said wa aqirru bil Qur'ani ma ja'at bihi ayatuhu fa huwa al-karimul munzalu fa huwa al-karimul munzalu So we looked at that line of poetry in the previous few lessons and so today we move on to the uh, the 6th verse in the poetry 
And here Shaykh al-Islam says, وَأَقُولُ قَالُ اللَّهُ جَلَّ جَلَالُهُ الْمُصْطَفَى الْحَادِي وَلَا أَتَأَوَّلُ And so this translates roughly as that I say, I say, Allah the Mighty and Majestic said, and Al-Mustafa, meaning Muhammad, the Chosen One, Al-Hadi, the one who guides, and I do not make ta'wil. This statement here, this line of poetry here, is really a statement of the position of a Sunni Muslim when it comes to speaking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his names and his attributes. In other words, it represents the general methodology. What does a, a Muslim, a person who is a Sunni, a Salafi, an Athari, what does he say? He simply says, وَأَقُولُ قَالَ اللَّهُ جَلَّ جَلَالُهُ That I say, when it comes to speaking about Allah, His names and attributes, I say, Allah the Mighty and Majestic said. And likewise, the Messenger, the Chosen One, the Guide, He said, and I do not make ta'wil. I do not make ta'wil of the texts in the, in the Sharia. And this, of course, is the way of the Sahaba, radiyallahu anhum, it is the way of the tabi'een, the way of the tabi'een, and the way of those imams of the salaf who fought and waged a war against the Jahmiya and the Mu'tazila in the second and third centuries. So this is really a statement of methodology, that this is, this is my way. So we're going to stay with this line of poetry, inshallah, for this lesson and maybe the next lesson as well. And we look at the various commentary that, that has been made on this uh, statement. So first of all here, we establish that this principle explained in this poetry is the principle of At-Tawqif. At-Tawqif. At-Tawqif means that we withhold any speech unless it has a basis in the Qur'an and the Sunnah. The principle of At-Tawqif. So this is because the speech about Allah, His names and attributes is itself built upon the Qur'an and the Sunnah without any tahrif, without any ta'teel and without any tamthil. So this is a principle that distinguishes Ahlul Sunnah from the Ahlul Kalam. So we say that whatever Allah spoke with and described Himself with Whatever his messenger spoke with and described Allah with, then we affirm it upon its meaning. We don't start making distortions and changes to that meaning. Nor do we negate it completely altogether. And nor do we resemble and liken it to that which we see and know of in the, in the creation. So this is the broad principle being mentioned here. وَأَقُولُ قَالَ اللَّهُ جَلَّ جَلَالُهُ وَالْمُصْطَفَى الْهَادِي وَلَا أَتَأَوَّلُهُ And this methodology is itself taken from the Imams of the Salaf from the 2nd and 3rd centuries of Islam. Imam al-Darimi, rahimahullah. Imam al-Darimi was an Imam from the 3rd century. And Imam al-Darimi, he died roughly in the year 280 Hijrah. And he is famous for writing a, a refutation against Bishr al-Marisi. Bishr al-Marisi was one of the heads of the Jahmiyyah in the 2nd century, 
And he is the one who innovated the majority of the ta'wils. The ta'wils that, that came to this ummah, which were spoken of by the Mu'tazila and the Jahmiya, and then the Ash'aris and Maturidis, all of their ta'wils that they speak of, these ta'wils were originated by Bishr al-Marisi al-Jahmi al-Kafir, as many of the scholars made takfir of this man. So uh, Imam al-Darmi, he wrote this book, uh, in refutation of Al-Bishr Al-Marisi uh, The title of it comes in numerous different titles Rad uh, Uthman bin Sa'id Ala Bishr Al-Marisi Al-Jahmi Al-Anid Numerous uh, titles given to this, this book But here Imam Al-Darmi is a quotation from him and he says وَنَصِفُهُ بِمَا وَصَفَ بِهِ نَفْسَهُ أَوْ وَصَفَهُ بِهِ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ that we describe him, we describe Allah, we describe him with what he described himself with. And or what his messenger described him with. Now, so this is a clear principle spoken of by the Imams of the Salaf. And likewise, Ibn Khuzayma, rahimahullah ta'ala, Imam Ibn Khuzayma was from the third and the fourth centuries of uh, uh, after Hijra, he died shortly after the turn of the three, uh, three roughly three eleven, around that time period, and he also said that and all of our scholars, we and all of our scholars from the people of Hijaz and Tihama and Al Yemen and Al Iraq and Al Sham and Misr, Egypt, our way, our madhab is that we affirm for Allah. What he affirmed for himself. This is clearly stated from the Imams of the Sufs. So meaning that Ibn Tabrahimullah, that when he laid down these principles, when we read his books, and we read, for example, Aqidatul Wasitiya, Aqidatul Hamawiya, and those statements that he mentions that this is what we believe and this is what we affirm, he's taken that directly from the from the speech of the Salaf themselves. So he brought nothing new. He did not, he did, he did not invent or innovate anything. Rather, when he established the madhab of the Salaf, then the innovators and the enemies of that da'wah, that's when they began to ascribe to him everything that he is an innovator, misguided, and so on and so forth, and made it look as if he is the one who brought something new. Whereas in reality, he simply established the madhab of the Salaf, and those innovators were the ones who inherited from the Jahmiyyah, the Mu'tazila, the Ash'aris, the Maturidis, and other than them, and that's why they showed enmity and hatred to him. And likewise, Imam Ahmed bin Hanbal, ta'ala, he likewise said uh, that there is no knowledge, meaning here of Allah, except by what he himself described himself, what Allah described himself with. So that we do not transgress beyond beyond the Quran or the Hadith. And we say, as he said, describing himself, what he described himself, and it is not to be transgressed beyond that or gone beyond that. So this is a saying of Imam Ahmed bin Hanbal, Rahimullah ta'ala, and also a statement from Ibn Qutaybah, Rahimahullah, he said, 
فَنَحْنُ نَقُولُ كَمَا قَالَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى وَكَمَا قَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ That we say and we speak exactly as Allah the Mighty, the Exalted said, and what the Messenger of Allah وسلم, said, وَلَا نَتَجَاهَلُ And we do not pretend to be ignorant, and nor, do we, nor does the fact that we deny tashbih for Allah lead us to reject what he described himself with. Right? So let's, let's repeat that again. He said, we say, just as Allah the Exalted said, and just as the Messenger of Allah said, and we do not pretend to be ignorant, and nor does the fact that we deny any resemblance or likeness from Allah to lead us to reject what he himself described himself with. In other words, that when we say that we deny any resemblance between Allah and his creation, we do it in a way that does not lead us to reject the actual thing that Allah is describing himself with. And in this we are avoiding the path and the way of the people of Bida and Dalala who claim a type of uh, denial of tashbih. They say we deny Allah has any resemblance or likeness. But in that denial, it leads them to deny the actual attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which, which he affirmed for himself. So these are just a small number of statements. And you can see that Ibn Taymiyyah, in establishing this principle, he has simply drawn upon what is found in the kalam and the speech of the great imams of the Salaf, Imam Ahmad, Imam al-Darami, Imam ibn Khuzayma, ibn Qutayba, and other than them, all of them who wrote works, they authored books, in defense of the aqidah of the, of, of, of the Sahaba and the Tabi'een, and in refutation against the people of Kalam, and their innovations, and their false ta'wilat. So, this methodology and this madhab is in contrast with the people of Kalam, because the hallmark of the people of Kalam is to establish the attributes by way of aql, by way of reason as they claim. Right? So when Ibn Taymiyyah makes this declaration here, وَأَقُولُ قَالَ اللَّهُ جَلَّ جَلَالُهُ وَالْمُصْطَفَىٰ الْحَادِي وَلَا أَتَأَوَّلُ Then what is, the, what is the foundation upon which we are establishing attributes for Allah? It is because Allah said, and the Messenger of Allah وسلم, said, and this is in contrast to those who establish the attributes by way of aql. And these are the, these are the mu'tazila, or the, uh, the uh, well, the ahlul kalam in general. That when they speak about Allah, it is based upon reason. It is based upon aql. And then some of them deny attributes altogether, and others use reason as a <laughs> primary foundation to speak about Allah and His attributes, or to establish the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, this inshallah ta'ala we will speak in a bit more detail a bit later on, about the, the, this issue of the aql or reason, and how these people of kalam, they try to affirm attributes for Allah. But for now we'll move to the next statement, uh, in the second part of this line, al-mustafa al-hadi. Al-Mustafa Al-Hadi. So he described the Messenger of Allah as Al-Mustafa and Al-Hadi. These are two titles of the Messenger of Allah. So as for Al-Mustafa, Al-Mustafa, this word, it comes from the word from the word Al-Istifa. Al-Istifa. Al-Istifa means to choose. To choose. 
And Al-Hadi, the one who guides, comes from Al-Hidayah. Al-Hidayah. These two descriptions, we find them, that they are established in the Qur'an, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala likewise in the Sunnah. By way of example, in the Qur'an, Allah says, Allahu yastafi min al-mala'ikati rusulan wa min al-nas. Allah is the one who chooses, Allahu yastafi, from the angels as messengers, and likewise from mankind. Inna allaha sami'un basir. Indeed, Allah is all hearing, all seeing. Surah Al-Hajj, Surah 22, verse number 75. Likewise, Allah says, وَلَكِنَّ اللَّهَ يَجْتَبِي مِن رُسُلِهِ مَنْ يَشَاءُ Indeed, Allah يَجْتَبِي يَجْتَبِي is the same in meaning to يَصْطَفِي It means Allah chooses from His messengers those whom He wills. Surah Ali Imran, Surah 3, verse 179. So this establishes that Allah makes istifa. He chooses, meaning He chooses where to place His risala, the, the, the message. And likewise he says, هُوَ الَّذِي أَرْسَلَ رَسُولَهُ بِالْحُدَى وَدِينِ الْحَقِّ That he is the one who sent his messenger with guidance, al-huda, and the religion of truth. Surah At-Tawbah, Surah 9, verse 33. And likewise he says, وَإِن تَدْعُهُمْ إِلَى الْهُدَى فَلَنْ يَحْتَدُوا إِذًا أَبَدًا That if you were to call them to guidance, they would never be guided. Surah Al-Kahf. <clears throat> Surah 18, verse number 57. And similarly, in another ayah in Surah Al-Shura, Allah says, وَكَذَلِكَ أَوْحَيْنَا إِلَيْكَ رُوحًا مِنْ أَمْرِنَا مَا كُنْتَ تَبْرِي مَا الْكِتَابُ وَلَا الْإِيمَانُ وَلَكِنْ جَعَلْنَاهُ نُورًا نَحْدِي بِهِ مَنْ نَشَاءُ مِنْ عِبَادِنَا وَإِنَّكَ لَتَحْدِي إِلَى سِرَاطٍ مُسْتَقِيمٍ Allah says that likewise we have inspired to you the spirit of our command. You did not know what is the book, nor what is Iman. But we made it to be as a light by which we guide whom whom we will from our servants. And indeed you, O Muhammad, you guide to a straight path. And this is Surah Al-Shura, Surah 42, verse number 52. In this selection of verses we've established that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He makes istifa that he chooses from people, those whom he wishes to make as messengers. And likewise, he bestows with guidance and makes amongst mankind those who become guides for others besides them. And likewise, in the sunnah of the Messenger of Allah Wasallam, in an authentic hadith, he says, in Muslim and Ahmed, uh, he says, إِنَّ اللَّهَ اصْطَفَى مِنْ وَلَدِ إِبْرَاهِيمَ إِسْمَعِيلِ Indeed, Allah chose from the offspring of Ibrahim, Ismail. وَاسْتَفَى مِنْ وَلَدِ إِسْمَعِيلَ بَنِي كِنَانَةِ And then he chose the tribe of Kinana from the offspring of Ismail. وَاسْتَفَى مِنْ بَنِي كِنَانَةِ قُرَيْشًا And then from the tribe of Bani Kinana, he chose the tribe of Quraysh. وَاسْتَفَى مِنْ قُرَيْشٍ بَنِي هَاشِمْ And from the tribe of Quraysh, he chose Bani Hashim. وَاسْتَفَانِي مِنْ بَنِي هَاشِمْ And then he chose me from Bani Hashim. So meaning this now is the lineage of the Messenger of Allah and how Allah chose him specifically to be 
a messenger from amongst, you know, from, the, from this lineage. And likewise from Anas radiallahu anhu, who said that the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Ya ma'ashir al-ansari, alam atikum dullalan fahadakum allahu bi. He says, O gathering of the Ansar, did I not come to you whilst you were misguided? You as a whole, you were misguided people. And then Allah guided you by way of me. وَأَعْدَاءً فَأَلَّفَ اللَّهُ عَزَّ وَجَلَّ بَيْنَ قُلُوبِكُمْ بِي And likewise, I came to you as you were enemies to one, one to another. And then Allah, He united between your hearts. The mighty and majestic, He gathered and united between your hearts by way of me. By way of me. And then He said, ثُمَّ قَالَ Then the Messiah said, ثُمَّ قَالَ لَهُمْ أَلَا تَقُولُونَ أَتَيْتَنَا طَرِيدًا فَآوَيْنَاكَ وَخَائِفًا فَآمَنَّاكَ وَمَخْذُولًا فَنَصَرْنَاكَ So the messenger then said to, the, said to them, to the Ansar, Do you people not say that you, O Muhammad, came to us as one who was expelled, and then we gave you refuge, and as one who was fearful, and then we gave you security, and as one who was abandoned, and then we are the ones who supported and aided you. Right, so he's saying to the Ansar, Do you not, is, that, is that what not you say to me? And then they said, They said, yes, that's what we say. And Allah, to Allah belongs the favor over us, and likewise to his messenger. So from this, the point that we gather from all of this is that these descriptions we are reading here, Al-Mustafa, Al-Hadi, these descriptions are based upon what we see in the Quran, from the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Likewise, in the sunnah of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, who came as the chosen messenger and the one who came to guide mankind. And then he says, Wala ata'awwalu. Wala ata'awwalu. So in the first part of the poetry, he said, Wa'akulu, qala Allahu jalla jalalu, wal mustafa al-hadi. That I say, Allah the mighty and majestic said, and Al-Mustafa Al-Hadi, the messenger, the chosen messenger, he said, this establishes the, the basic principle in speaking about Allah, His names and His attributes. And then he denies, he says, Wala أَتَأَوَّلُ I do not make ta'wil. And this is because it is never the way of the salaf, it was never the way of the sahaba or the salaf to make ta'wil. Rather this ta'wil was an invention of the people of kalam. And this is because these people, as we mentioned many times before, the people of Kalam, they try to use reason, aql, to find a way to prove Allah's existence. And they followed the ways of the people who came before them from the Jews and the Christians and the Sabians, the star worshippers. And these star worshippers, they used to say that this universe has a creator and this creator is he brought all things into existence and he gave them their attributes and we know things are created because they have attributes and so therefore the creator who brought all things into existence which have attributes he himself must not have any attributes which are found in the things that he created right so basically what they essentially are saying is that anything which has an attribute must be created right this was this was a premise, a principle they had as part of a way of proving Allah's existence.
So now, this was taken by the Jahmiya and then developed by the Mu'tazila and later the Ash'aris and Maturidis, they took the, 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 a form of this from those who came before them. And so all of them began to approach the Qur'an in a different way now. In a way different to how the Salaf and the Sahaba and the Tabi, how they used to approach the Qur'an. They used to read the Qur'an and see Allah says such and such. And they say, we submit. Uh, because the Qur'an, the revelation, agrees with sound reason. Agrees with fitrah and with sound reason. Reason which hasn't been corrupted. And that's why the Sahaba and the Tabi'een, the Sahaba, who are the most soundest and in, in terms of their reason, in aql, and they received the Qur'an, and it agreed completely with their fitra and their aql. Because they were the most, they had the, the soundest aql of all of mankind. And so, but, but these people, what they did, the Ahlul Kalam, is that when they began to argue with atheists and philosophers and try to find a way to prove Allah's existence, and then they found this corrupt way that was spoken of by the nations who came before, this led them now to look at the Qur'an in a different way. Why? Because if you're trying to argue that Allah is the creator because He is different to everything He creates, and everything He creates is known to be created because it has attributes, right? everything has attributes that we see, it has qualities and attributes, that means Allah must not have attributes. Allah can't have attributes. Otherwise, if he does have attributes, we've got no way of proving his existence. right? So they now assume this to be a premise that we simply cannot reject or deny. It has to be the, 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 the golden principle that we cannot deny or reject, otherwise the whole of Islam is demolished. This is how they looked at this, you know, this, this thing. And this is very similar today, like we see the non-Muslims, they assume that evolution is the absolute truth. If you deny evolution, there is no science. There is nothing, there is nothing. Everything is gone and, and, and destroyed. So evolution is a core principle that is accepted without question and without which you cannot bring any scientific investigation or inquiry. This is how, how, they, how they see it. So the Ahlul Kalam, essentially that's what they, what, what they did. They said that this way of proving Allah's existence using this method, and we hear this method, there's many different names, the Kalam, cosmological argument, or in Arabic, Hudutul Adz, there are many different names. So they said this has to be the absolute truth. Why? Because we've managed to prove Allah's existence to the atheists by way of this argumentation and this proof. So this proof, because by way, by way of it, we, we, we've defended Islam and we've established Allah's existence, this, this must be undeniable. right? So, they, so now they've made this proof to be the absolute criterion. Even before the Qur'an. Right? This proof now comes before the Qur'an. Right? So, the, so what, what they are saying is that the Qur'an can't be proved unless we accept this rational proof. Right? This, is the, this is the basis from which they are coming from. Right. So now when their reason tells them that the universe has a creator which must be devoid of attributes... Because that's what the Jahmiya was saying and the Mu'tazila was saying. When they then looked in the Qur'an, they, they look in the Qur'an and they see that in the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is described with attributes. Allah has ilm, Allah has rahmah, Allah has hikmah, Allah has qudra, Allah has hayat, 
Allah has all of these different uh, attributes, then they are thinking, wait a minute, if reason is telling us with one thing, that this the reason establishes Allah's existence, and in the Qur'an we are seeing something which conflicts with that reason. But in the Qur'an we see that Allah is described with attributes. And those attributes, how can we... How can we now resolve this, this, this apparent contradiction? Right? Our reason tells us that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cannot be described with attributes. And in the Quran, we see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is described with attributes. So how now do we resolve this uh, conflict? And so they began to use different methods. There were different approaches in how to bring these two things together. So one of the ways that the Mu'tazila tried to use is that they said, is that they said, first of all, that Allah and His attributes are two separate things. Right? Allah and His attributes are two separate things. So we have Allah and His attributes. Right? So they began to raise some, some issues. They began to say that... Uh, they began to say that when we speak of Allah's essence, we know Allah's essence exists. And we know there are attributes mentioned in the Qur'an, knowledge, power, mercy, wisdom. What are these attributes then? And so the Mu'tazila, they began to come with an explanation and they said basically that, that the attributes of Allah, for example, ilm, is not an attribute that is found with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rather, it is just the knowledge that exists in the creation. So, the knowledge of Allah is simply the knowledge that the whole of mankind, it gathers and it knows about the creation and the universe. This is, this is, this is what we refer to as the ilm of Allah. And then they said, likewise, the power of Allah, the qudra, isn't an attribute that is with Allah's essence, Rather, it's just the power and the force that we see in the creation. We see the winds, we see the power of the oceans, we see all these different types of forces that, and powers that we see within the creation. This is what, what we know to be Allah's qudra. Right? This is, this is Allah's qudra. Not that it is an actual attribute that exists with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And likewise, hikmah, wisdom. Wisdom is just the things that we see the, the objectives and the goals and the, the wisdoms that we see in the creation, this is what is Allah's wisdom. Not that wisdom is something Allah is actually described with as a quality, as a permanent quality of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right. So this is one way that they began to use to try to mix together, to, to try to resolve this contradiction between what this proof is telling them that Allah exists and for his existence to be proved rationally, right, he cannot have any attributes. And between what they see in the Quran, in the Quran, Allah describes the attributes. This is just one approach. It's one approach. Another approach was that they began to look in the text of the Quran and they began to make ta'wil. Ta'wil. And this is where this ta'wil was actually born and innovated. That we look at the Quran. And we see in the Quran, Allah mentions certain things that Allah has mercy, Allah has wisdom, uh, Allah, Allah loves His servants, Allah becomes angry, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He made istiwa over His throne, Allah is above His servants, 
Allah is above the seven heavens. Allah, and they began to look at these things. Then they began to devise ways in which to take away these words from their actual meanings and give them metaphorical meanings to explain away these verses. This was like just another a, a second approach. A second approach. So the first approach is to start saying that the attributes of a thing is something other than the thing itself. Right? We know this is this is false. And another approach was to say, was to bring this ta'wil. Al-istiwa means istawla. That Allah arising above his throne, it doesn't mean Allah arising above his throne, it means Allah conquered the throne. Allah's, Allah, Allah, uh, in the Quran, Allah's hand doesn't, doesn't mean Allah's hand, it means Allah's power, qudra, or his ni'mah, or his favor. So the Mu'tazila and the Jahmiya, they began to systematically work through the Qur'an and every time they came across an ayah which establishes an attribute for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then they began to make ta'wil of those verses ta'wil of istiwa ta'wil of ayn ta'wil of uh, yad and ta'wil of mahabba right so systematically they began to make ta'wil of all of the verses that didn't they didn't agree with, with, with this proof that they were using to, to establish Allah's existence. So basically, this is where the, where the origin of ta'wil it lies. And for that reason, you will not find, ever find, from the Sahaba or the Tabi'een, ever, ever making ta'wil of any ayah in the Qur'an which relates to the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why Ibn Taymiyyah himself he made a challenge to the Ash'aris in his time. He said, I will give you three years, I think it was three years, from this day today, that you bring me a single proof or evidence from the Salaf, from the narration, uh, narration from the Salaf, where they actually made ta'wil of a single ayah in the Qur'an, which relates to the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they never, they never fulfilled the challenge, because they, they, it's impossible. You will not find any of the Salaf making a ta'wil of any of the attributes or verses of the of the attributes. So from this now we understand that the ta'wil that was innovated was an innovation of the Mu'tazila and the Jahmiya and it was basically one of many different approaches that they wanted to take in order to fight against the Salaf, the Tabi'een, the scholars of the of the, the Imams of the Salaf because the Salaf stuck to the Quran and the Sunnah and they were upon this issue of the of the reason. Okay, so some other approaches, just to mention by way of completion, you know, there are other things that these people invented from them is the, the, that they began to say that there is the majaz and the haqiqah, they invented this principle that in the Arabic language, and in fact all languages, there is the majaz and the haqiqah. They began to categorize the language into that which is metaphorical and that which is uh, true and real. This again is something unheard of to the Sahaba. There's no such thing to the, known to the companions or the, to the Tabi'een about the distinction between, in, in the Arabic language between that which is majazi and that which is haqiqi. This, this was unknown. Another one that they brought, a third approach that they brought, is that they, be, is that they are the ones who invented this thing about mutawatir and ahad. That we accept the mutawatir narration and as for the ahad, ahadith, then we deny them because they are just merely speculation. 
The reason why they invented this principle was because a large bulk of the sunnah, as you know, it contains narrations about the, the attributes of Allah and about matters of the unseen in the hereafter, about Allah's nuzul, Allah's descent, about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for example, Allah's amazement, Allah's laughter, and many other things that we see that are mentioned in the authentic narrations. So because these people, the Mu'tazila Jahmiya, were ignoramuses about the narrations, because they hadn't taken knowledge from the Sahaba, from the Tabi'een, and so on and so forth, they were not grounded in the, the, the narrations. So they found no way to fight against the Imams of the Salaf. And so therefore they invented this principle in order to undermine the narrations. Mutawatir and Ahad. We'll accept the Mutawatir, we do not accept the Ahad. And by that, they, with a single stroke, they were trying to eliminate a large bulk of the Sunnah, which establish the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we see now, we see there are numerous approaches. Mutawatir and Ahad, Majaz and Hakiki, the issue of Ta'wil, and the issue of inventing these principles, such as, for example, you know, uh, uh, that the that the that the attribute of a thing is other than the thing being described and all these principles so at ta'wil is one of those approaches is one of those approaches used by the ahlul kalam that's why when you think about what has been written by shaykh Islam ibn Taymiyyah here when he says wa aqulu qala allah jalla jalaluh wal mustafa al hadi wala ata'awwalu basically it is a complete contrast a complete contrast between the way of the people of the Sunnah, which is to say, Allah said, His Messenger said, and we accept that upon what it means in the Arabic language, and we deny any tashbih, any likeness, we deny any taqyif, asking how or specifying how it is, and deny any tamthil, likeness, we deny all of that. Right? This is the broad approach. And he contra- contrasts that by saying, wala ata'awwalu. Right, so this now is, 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 is a contrast between the people of the Sunnah and the people of Kalam, whose hallmark it is to make ta'wil of the verses of the attributes. So this brings us now to uh, the issue of ta'wil itself. The issue of ta'wil itself. What is this ta'wil? And inshallah we'll spend some time uh, looking at the issue of ta'wil, we'll draw upon some of the statements of Ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahullah. Uh, but first, let's just see what Shaykh Salih al-Suhaymi, Hafizullah Ta'ala, has said in his commentary upon this particular line. So he says, uh, he says that, when Ibn al says, وَأَقُولُ قَالَ اللَّهُ جَلَّ جَلَالُهُ الْمُصْطَفَى الْحَادِي وَلَا أَتَأَوَّلُ He says, that I say Allah said, Allah the Most High said, and I say the Messenger of Allah, he said, and I do not make ta'wil of the Qur'an, I don't interpret the Qur'an with any ta'wil, with any interpretation, which those people, meaning the people of Kalam, the Mu'awwila, that they have fallen into. Those who swerved away from the straight path of Allah, but rather we establish what is in the Qur'an, what Allah said in His book, in that it is the actual speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uncreated. And that this was revealed upon the heart of Muhammad sallallahu by way of the trustworthy spirit in a clear Arabic tongue in both its wording and its meaning. So here he's speaking mainly of the, the, the Qur'an itself, something that we spoke of previously. 
And likewise, we do not make ta'wil, nor do we make tashbih, liken Allah, resemble Allah to His creation, nor do we make ta'til, deny Allah's attributes, nor do we make taqyif, start specifying how Allah's attributes, nor do we make tamthil, nor do we liken Allah with His creation. So, uh, he's established, then he continues establishing the same thing, and uh, this is the essence of what he said, that basically we, we, we adhere to the Qur'an, the guidance of the Qur'an and the Sunnah, and we don't turn away from that to the right or to the left. So, Shaykh gives a very brief commentary upon this uh, line of poetry. So, this brings us really now to focus on At-Ta'wil, this Ta'wil. We've explained the background, where did Ta'wil come from, what was the reason for it, who innovated, what was the reason why they innovated, what were they trying to do, what were they trying to achieve, they were using it as a tool to fight against the people of the Sunnah, and in order to patch up this contradiction between reason as they claim, which denies attributes, and between what we see in the Qur'an of the affirmation of Allah's attributes. So we're going to draw upon, inshallah, a passage from Ibn al-Qayyim's book, As-Sawa'iq al-Mursalah, and this is a book that he wrote against the Jahmiya and the Mu'tazila. And in this book, he has numerous chapters at the very beginning regarding the issue of Ta'wil. And so in this book, this is his book, As-Sawa'iqul Mursala. And this is in the first volume, page 175. And the reason why it's important for us to understand this issue of Ta'wil is because the Jahmiyyah who are present today from the Ash'aris and the Maturidis, this is one of their great issues in which they cause confusion. And they try to make it look as if they were from the Salaf, like Imam Ahmed or Imam Malik and other than them, who made Ta'wil. And sometimes they base this upon narrations which are not established, they are weak narrations, and sometimes they base it upon things which they do not understand, because there are different types of ta'wil. This word ta'wil, it has different types. There are, so we have to be clear as to what do we mean by, by the word ta'wil. When we use the word ta'wil, what does it actually mean? And so for that reason, there's a short chapter, maybe five or six pages uh, in, 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 in this work, that inshallah we'll work through, just to make sure that we are absolutely clear that when we say we do not, that when we say we do not make ta'wil, wala ata'awalo, we are very clear as to what exactly, specifically what what we mean. So we'll make a start on it, inshallah ta'ala, but because the time for Isha has now come, uh, we'll, we'll continue in the next lesson. So we have time maybe for the initial linguistic definition. So first of all, the word ata'wil, ata'wil, this word ata'wil. This word in the Arabic language, you know that in the Arabic language, nouns have certain patterns. There are, there are uh, patterns and forms of nouns. And this word, at-ta'wil, it comes in a certain pattern which is at-taf'il. 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 And the root of this word is ala. Ala ya'ulu. And this word means when something leads to something else. When something 
ends up as something else. This is the basic linguistic idea. You have something, and then it changes and ends up as something else. Right? And so, ta'wil here, it means tasyir. Tasyir. Changing, transformation. Right? Right, now let me give you some examples. Then, then Ibn al-Qayyim, he mentions some poetry that will help to explain this meaning a bit more clear. In this poetry, he's speaking of basically, uh, for example, when you, when you, when you have a, a, a camel, and the camel gives birth to you know, a, 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 a baby, an offspring. And what happens is, as the camel begins to grow and grow, what happens is that the, it, it, it develops in its companionship. It starts having companionship with its mother. And as it grows and grows and grows, the love increases. Right? So what's happening here, what's going on here is that there is a ta'wil taking place. There's a transformation and a change taking place as the love continues to develop. And then this offspring becomes a, a, a companion with its mother. And the love is completely developed and transformed. Right. So what's happened here is that we have a starting point and an end, end point. The end point is that, that love which arose and became developed. And in between, there is a transformation taking place. Right. This is the basic idea of the word ta'wil. This is the basic linguistic idea or the meaning of the word ta'wil. <coughs> So inshallah we'll stop with that for this lesson. We'll continue in the next lesson inshallah. So just to conclude then, this was the linguistic meaning of At-Ta'wil. There are in fact three or four other usages of this in the Qur'an. Um, but the first one, <coughs> the general meaning here is uh, the something transforming into something else. And the example here is we gave of the camel and the offspring. And then a second meaning of Ta'wil is explained by the word Aqibah. Which means the outcome or the end result. The outcome or the end result of something. And this is used in the Quran 
in the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah An-Nisa, Surah 4, Surah 4, verse 59. Allah says, فَإِن تَنَازَعْتُمْ فِي شَيْءٍ فَرُدُّوهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَالرَّسُولِ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُؤْمِنُونَ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ ذَلِكَ خَيْرٌ وَأَحْسَنُ تَعْوِيلًا The word used here, تَعْوِيلًا The meaning of which is, if you dispute in anything amongst yourselves, return it back to Allah and His Messenger if you are truly if you truly believe in Allah in the last day, that is better, that is good, and a better outcome, a better end result. Right? So here the word ta'wil means an end result, an outcome of something. The end result of something, the outcome of something. Right? So now we have another angle to the meaning of this word ta'wil as it is used in the Quran. A third example which is used in the Quran, which gives another meaning, linguistic meaning to the word ta'wil, is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He refers to the day of judgment as He refers to the ta'wil of the day of the judgment. He says, هَلْ يَنظُرُونَ إِلَّا تَعْوِيلَهِ يَوْمَ يَأْتِي تَعْوِيلُهُ يَقُولُ الَّذِينَ نَسُوهُ مِنْ قَبْلِ قَدَ جَاءَتْ رُسُلُ رَبِّنَا بِالْحَقِّ Allah says, are they waiting for anything except its ta'wil? Allah he's referring to Yawm al-Qiyamah, the Day of Judgment. Are they waiting for the ta'wil of the Day of Judgment? The day on which its ta'wil comes. Those who forgot it previously will say, our messengers indeed came from, uh, messengers of our Lord came with the truth. So here, the word, what, it, what does it mean? Are they waiting for the ta'wil? It means... Are they waiting for anything but the occurrence of Yawm Al-Qiyamah? Right? So here the word ta'wil means the, the occurrence of the very thing that is being spoken of or informed about. Right? So ta'wil can mean the actual occurrence of the very thing that one is being informed about. To give you a further explanation of this meaning, you know in the story of Yusuf alayhi salam, when, you know the whole story, right at the very end of the story, uh, Yusuf turns to his father and he says, Ya abati hadha ta'wilu ru'yaya min qabl. Oh my father, this is the ta'wil of my story, from, of, my, of, my, of my dream from before. So remember the dream at the beginning of the story. You know about the stars and so on and so forth, and then you, as we go through all the story, we and we come right to the very end when Yusuf Islam is gathered back with his, you know, brothers, and his father and so on and so forth, and so he says at the very end, "Oh my father, this meaning that what's transpired, everything that's transpired, and where we are right now, this is the ta'wil of my dream from before, and this means this is an actual, this is like the." The coming into reality of the dream. Right? So another meaning of ta'wil is the coming into reality of something. Something now, you know, it, it actually comes true and real. So this is another meaning of uh, uh, ta'wil. Meaning something coming to its final conclusion, its final destination, its final reality, like we see in the dream and that happening in real life, and then coming to the final conclusion. This is another meaning of the word ta'wil. Okay, now 
We have another meaning in the Quran, and this is in the story of Khidr and Musa salam. The word again is used by Khidr, and this is when Musa salam, when he was unable to show patience to what he saw Khidr doing, of you know burning, destroying that ship, and killing that boy, and you know raising the the, the wall again. He said, "Saunabbiuka bitawili." مَا لَمْ تَسْتَطِعْ عَلِيهِ sabra That I will tell you the ta'wil. I will tell you the ta'wil of what you were not able to have patience over. And in another verse he says, ذَلِكَ تَأْوِيلُ مَا لَمْ تَسْتَطِعْ عَلِيهِ sabra This is the ta'wil of that which you were not able to have patience over. What does it mean ta'wil? Ta'wil he now means wisdom. What was the wisdom behind a certain action? What was the purpose? What was the... Objective or reason, why did someone do something? The ta'wil can also refer to that as well. So here now we have four or five different meanings of the word ta'wil. What's the significance of what we are doing here? The significance of what we are doing here is that whenever we come across a word, we understand the word (coughs) upon the language of the Arabs, that which the Arabs know. And the foundation for that is that which is in the Qur'an. So what we're doing here is establishing the correct meaning of the word ta'wil. This is where we begin from, this is where we always start out from. As for the people of Bida and Dalala, from the Ahlul Kalam, the Jahmi, the, the, the Mu'tazla Ash'ariya, what they do is that they invent a definition for a word. They invent a definition for a word, that this word ta'wil means such and such. And that invention and innovation is... For some other purpose. They don't start out from the Quran and say, okay, let's look in the Quran, see every instance of the mention of the word ta'wil, and let's see what does this ta'wil, this word ta'wil, what does it actually mean? They don't start out like this. Because as I said, they, they have an objective to fulfill, which is they want to mix their aql with what they find clashing with what is in the naql, in, 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 in the revelation in the, in the Quran. So therefore they're coming from, from, from an ulterior motive. So when they come and say to you, ta'wil means such and such, which we'll look at in the next lesson, then they are innovating and not following, because they're not, they're not taken primarily from what the Qur'an explains, the meaning of the word ta'wil. So inshallah, we'll continue with this discussion in the next uh, lesson uh, on the issue of ta'wil. And with that, we conclude today's lessons. Time for salah. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.